I really think that slowly God was taking kind of the brick wall around my heart down. It wasn't until after chemo that I did find him and choose to follow him. This is Culture at a Crossroads with David Mann. Welcome back to the show that explores the intersection of faith and culture in Canada. We continue our mini-series on the power of the cross as we hit Easter weekend. And joining me, a good friend, Erica Boone. How are you today? I'm great. Thanks for doing this. (laughs) No problem. Your journey is one where you were brought to the level of God. Mm-hmm. in an unexpected way. Uh, just share with me a little bit about your upbringing. Uh, an atheist home? Yeah, yeah. So I, my parents separated when I was four years old. And so um, most of the time, I mean, my parents had an arrangement where I would visit my dad every other weekend. But so for the most part, uh, my mom raised me and she was the main influence on me in my life. And uh, at a young age, you kind of look to your parents for the answers to a lot of things and, Mm. and you adopt their worldviews. And I think that's normal. I think when you're young, you don't really have, um, you haven't really formed your perspective of, of the world and belief systems. And so I very much adopted her perspective and, and that is that God doesn't exist in her world. And, um, I was, I guess it kind of brought me up to be a little bit of, I sort of mocked other people's belief in something that you couldn't see. That was kind of my stance on it. And, uh, you know, there wasn't really a basis for it other than I was just not thinking for myself because I was younger. So um, I think as I got older, that started to change. I just started searching on my own for answers that I hadn't really quite asked before. Hmm. What would you Mm -hmm. say you put your identity in? before this search and quest? Good question. Um, I would say every everything that brought pleasure that wasn't mm. God or everything that brought an escape. I know for me, growing up, I I put a lot of my worth in, in the things I did and um, that looked like becoming a straight A student or uh, being a top athlete or working a lot to... Uh, make money. And, you know, when you grow up in a, in a single parent home, it's, you know, there's blessings in that. I, from a young age, I learned how to um, work and, and build my character. And I'm very grateful for that opportunity. And um, I think my parents instilled a lot of character in me that way by working at a young age. But uh, yeah, I just, I kind of, I like to describe it as I was someone who wore a lot of different hats, uh, mm. depending on what someone wanted me to be. Oh, we could have talked fashion off the start. um yeah I think you know I just wanted to be the best at everything because Mm. that kind of brought me satisfaction and and made me find my self-worth in that I also found my identity and just being really busy Mm. (laughs) with things and I think part of that was being avoidant of my circumstances and where my heart was at Mm. and I didn't really face that till I was forced to to face it and slow down a little bit. Hmm. So, so then you you go away to university. You head east, as you alluded to, Dalhousie, yeah, and Halifax. And at what point were you forced to not just um, search for the sake of your own quest, but because of a, a terrible circumstance that you'd have to endure? Yeah. So. 
it was uh, in 2013. I was at Dalhousie and some people might think I was living my best life, but at the time I was probably in the worst state I could be in, like pretty, pretty dark place. Um, I was working anywhere from 40 to 50 hours a week. Plus, while in university? While in university, so full-time school, like I had a full course load. And on top of that, maintained a pretty lively social life. And so uh, I didn't I didn't know what rest was. And um, I, you know, I, I didn't take care of my my body, my mind, my soul, uh, anything like that. And I never really slowed down to see what was going on in my heart. I was um, very much into the party scene Uh participating in a lot of, uh, drinking and, and, uh, even a few drugs here and there as well. And, um, yeah, I was just really on this mission to find the next exciting thing to do because in some ways, perhaps I was, I was bored with life or just wanting to get away from the real thing that was really going on. And the summer of 2013, I was kind of wearing my party hat back to the beginning where I wore a lot of different hats and I kind of wanted to be great at everything. And uh, school rolls around. It's September, start of a new semester. And all of a sudden it's time for me to get good grades again. And, um, you know, started going back to the gym and I I was in the gym and I, I remember just stretching on a mat and I was massaging my right shoulder because I had scar tissue in there from from playing volleyball and different sports. And I, I noticed there was like a little pea sized lump above my collarbone. And I was like, Hmm, if that was anything, maybe that that's a lymph node. And so sure enough, I, you know, look up a chart and there's chains that run all through your body and on your neck and in, and your collarbone and everywhere there. And so I was like, Oh, that's interesting. And you know, that can swell up for, any reason you could be, you could have had a cold, you could have had a a scratch or whatever, anything can make it, anything can make it swell up. And usually it's not something to be concerned about. Uh, but it was maybe a week later, I was always touching that area and my hand came down to the base of my neck and I felt more of a mass. I ended up going in to get it checked out. I got referred to an ear, nose and throat doctor and they they did a needle biopsy there, and and that's when I got my results. So I was in my um, almost last year of university at the time, and I was I it was right before my twenty first birthday that I found out that I had Hodgkin's lymphoma. My goodness! Yeah. How did you react? Um, it's pretty disturbing, actually. This this get, paints a pretty good picture of where my heart was at. Um, I got the news and you know, there's some pretty compassionate healthcare workers in that, um, that doctor's area at the time in the hospital. And, you know, they really wanted to help me. They saw that I was young and I was away from home and I was just like, well, I have something I need to be off to right now for school. So I'm going to head out now. Can I have all this information in my next appointment and I'll head out. (laughs) And my one friend was with me waiting and I remember her getting emotional, but I was just stone cold like I had an icy heart (laughs) and, um, yeah, I think, I think I had just kind of not, um, allowed myself to feel what was actually going on. I was very avoidant Mm. of 
deep feelings and um yeah so as this cancer journey continues how do you have to then confront these deep feelings for me it looked like well i had to decide how i wanted to go about treatment and i had to decide where i was going to do treatment would i move back home to ontario to receive uh, treatment or would i stay in halifax and do it there uh, but I decided to pack up my life and move back home. Not by like, I, I didn't want to leave university. I wanted, I wanted to finish. And uh, I started, you know, I, I wouldn't have admitted it to anyone at the time, but I started to ask some questions like, hmm, what if I were to die? What, you know, what does that look like? And then you start to think about life after life here. Mm. You know, is there life after you're done here on earth. And for me, what brought me satisfaction at the time was just, oh, well, I guess I'll know something that other people don't know. Like I'll find out if it happens. And that kind of put me at ease at the time. Uh, But simultaneously, I was also uh, probably a year, year or two prior, I was playing varsity soccer and uh, I didn't make the team my second year of university and and that wrecked me because a lot of my identity and worth came from being a varsity athlete. But what this health challenge brought to me was for the first time in my life, I was forced to slow down and be be still with myself and and evaluate what was really going on in my heart. And I remember writing a list of things I wanted to do to, to stay busy while I was going through treatment and not being able to do a lot of things. And and I remember one of them being reading more spiritual books and, you know, I would just ask other people for recommendations. So that was kind of the beginning of that journey. Did you sense that you began to find yourself a little bit more in, in this time? Like there was something that you're avoiding. There was a, a part of your heart that you hadn't really met before. Yeah, how I'd like to describe it is I was forced to kind of become humble in a, in a way. I don't know if forced is the right word, but I got to a place where I had no choice but to rely on other people to care for me. Hmm. And I came to a place where everything in my life felt so out of my control. Hmm. <laughs> and as a as a female as a woman i you know you get faced with losing your hair and and that affects you know how you think you look or you know it 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 feels a little bit weird wearing a wig when you're not being yourself cuz you're like hiding under this this mm-hmm. wig and so yeah you def- you definitely get faced with a lot of uh, confidence issues and then also just I was so misindependent and I could do anything for myself and I needed nobody's help and and so for the first time I actually let people help me and a lot of the love came through my my family in particular my mom and and some really close friends that were super supportive and um it was really humbling. Like it's, it's emotional even thinking about how well people loved me in that mm. time. And I really think that slowly God was, um, taking, 
taking kind of the brick wall around my heart down so Mm. that he could get through to me. And um, it wasn't until after chemo that um, I did find him and choose to follow him. But uh, I definitely think that we can go back to that verse. Um, I don't know if. Yeah. You said Romans five, three to five, was it? Yeah. Romans five, three to five. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character and character, hope and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy spirit who has been given to us. Yeah. I think that right there is, is a perfect verse to describe any trial in life we face. But in particular, that one stood out to me. In fact, I, re- I remember looking through some of the cards I got from different people when I was sick and, and that verse was in one of the cards. And I didn't even know some of these people were Christians in my life, but I know I had a lot of people praying for me and cheering me on. And yeah, it's just cool that even though I didn't know God, then he was still pursuing you, pursuing me and, and chasing after me. And, um, yeah, that's just really humbling to know that. So how do you get introduced to him? I went to this leadership conference and that summer after I finished chemo and they actually had an optional Sunday service. And I remember just wanting to go to the service just to be around other people that were at the conference. And uh, I have no idea what was preached or shared, uh, but I do remember uh, going up to give, give my life to God and leaving that. It was almost supernatural. I remember leaving that place being like, who is Jesus? Mm. And my mind you too, in the last year or so, I was kind of very curious of like, okay, there's all these gods, there's all these religions. How do I know which one is right? Mm-hmm. Like there's got to only be one truth. And through my search and my journey uh, and discovering Jesus's character and how he can be the only truth, then that satisfied everything for me. When you decided to follow after Jesus, what was that process like in the beginning? Yeah. So after that, that moment, I had a lot of curiosity and I remember even after asking someone about, I knew they were a Christian and I asked them about their faith and I was more, we were more acquaintances and they shared the gospel with me and I was kind of like, okay, well, I asked this question, so I can't really be offended with their answer, but I don't fully get like, okay, you believe that Jesus died for your sins and he rose again. And so what, like, how does that, how does that solidify your faith? How does that story in the Bible like solidify the truth for you? Mm -hmm. And, and from that, so it wasn't an overnight understanding, but I remember leaving there just wanting to know everything about Mm. Jesus and, and the Bible. And after that, I had, um, I had came home and I reached out to an old friend that I figure skated with. And I went out to coffee with her. And again, I was asking her so many questions and she was sharing the answers freely and boldly. And I remember again, wanting to be offended with with what they were sharing, but I was like, but I asked this question, so Mm. I'm going to listen. And I got given 
given my first Bible to me by that girl, Melanie. And um, I was sort of hiding it. I didn't want people to know I was exploring Christianity. I kind of wanted to do it quietly. And then I ended up going to church with her. And it was through reading the word that I really started to understand who Jesus is and why why it matters that he died for our sins mm. and how, how profound that is for us and how impactful it is. And I remember too, really battling and struggling with like, I wanted to please God, but I didn't know what that looked like. Mm. And so I was really searching the Bible to kind of guide me on that. And I slowly started to understand like it, no amount of works that I did would um, change the way he feels about me. Wow. And this would have gone against everything about the way you lived before. Exactly. Yeah. That's definitely what I'm getting to here. Cause like my whole life I was, I was getting good grades to please my parents or I was trying to get goals on the soccer team to please my team, my coach, my parents um, and impress people really, you mm -hmm. know? And so, yeah, it was, it's pretty cool to see how that came full circle. Mm. So neat too, how you were humbled in that process of treatment mm -hmm. to receive other people's help. And yeah. then you were prepared in a sense for receiving the ultimate help. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Now tell me about how that, that cancer journey ended. Like what, what came about? Yeah. So it's been, um, it'll be eight years, I believe this June and totally cancer free. And, um, yeah, it's, it's pretty amazing. And anytime I share that journey, uh, with someone, I, I always say I'd go through it again to become the person wow. I became through it. And I think I try to remind myself of that mentality. Anytime I'm going through something hard or anytime someone else is is going through something hard. Um, I have a few friends right now. I know we have a mutual friend. It's just mind blowing what they're going through, but you know, we can, we can trust that there's a plan in it mm. as, as difficult as certain times are, um, something there's a purpose and a reason behind it. Mm. <laughs> and sometimes we don't know, we won't know in this life what it will be. I'm fortunate to know the, the outcome of, of going through a really hard time and, and the positive and blessings that came out of it. I know not everyone gets that and I, I don't know why, mm. but we probably will know one day, mm. you know? Yeah. How does it feel today to know that you weren't just spared of physical life from being free of cancer, but you were spared of eternal death? Yeah. Un unbelievably grateful and unbelievably undeserving, I think would be the two, two words that come to mind. And just one more piece I wanted to um, just hear your heart on a little bit because you were equipped after going through that hard season to uh, come to some other challenging obstacles that would come before you in your life. Uh, you had one brother. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't that long ago that uh, he went on from this place. Yeah. So May 2017, I lost my brother to um, completing suicide. And that was 
definitely something I never thought I would face. And yeah. How do you think having come to, to Christ before this helped you during that difficult, difficult season? Yeah. Still is a difficult season. Yeah. Good question. I think it, it helped me grieve with hope. And as we listened to that verse earlier, hope does not disappoint. Mm-hmm. And I think it prepared me to again, go through that trial with, with gratitude, despite how terrible the situation was and, and the grief of, of losing a loved one. Um, it was challenging because I had never experienced losing a loved one before. Uh, and of course not in this way. And I remember just when I look back on that time, what sticks out to me the most is I, I really got to experience how God is near to the brokenhearted. And it's something that it's like, you can read that verse and be like, Oh yeah, that's, that's nice and comforting. But to actually experience God speaking to you and comforting you in, in that moment is, is a really amazing thing. And it really grew my faith, but I also was, um, learning a lot how people grieve differently. And, um, it was challenging because I, I'm one of the people in my family, uh, that have a faith. I mean, it's hard to say who does and doesn't have a faith sometimes, but a lot of people that, don't know God, they, they often grieve without hope and, and that can be really challenging and it can make it really hard to move on. So I don't know if that answers your question, but I definitely did struggle with that. And, Mm -hmm. and, you know, God met me in that. Yeah. I think you did like grieving with hope ultimately means giving it over to God. Yeah. And you've done that. Yeah. Wow. Well, it's hard for me to imagine having known you since being a Christian, the brick wall that you characterize <laughs> uh, your life prior to uh, your conversion, because you come across to me as one of the more compassionate, joyful friends I have. And it's hard for me even to think of you as someone, I know you're you're, you're a go-getter and you're a, a doer, but even as independent, you just really seem to love people. And I just want to close by asking you, like, how has God compelled you to love those in your life even more? Well, I think just by the way he loves me provides me an example of of how to better love others. And uh, when we experience God's love, we can serve from a place of overflow in our hearts. And I also think I have a long way to go. That's it. That's it right there. Erica Boone, thank you for taking this time and and giving us a glimpse into your story that is really God's story. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. And if you want to double back on Erica's story again to share it, it's available along with the entire Culture at a Crossroads archive when you head to davidmanmedia.com slash podcast. Next time on Culture at a Crossroads. He was a foreign affairs advisor from the outset of the liberal government taking office, but according to Jocelyn Coulon, his council that was eventually discontinued largely fell on deaf ears. We'll talk to the author and Montreal University professor about his latest book that considers Canada's role on the global stage. 
Thanks for listening today, and we do invite you back next week as we once again explore the intersection of faith and culture in Canada, helping to better equip you in following Jesus.